0: The original Peanuts comic strip by Charles Schultz ran for more than 50 years in newspapers in this country, making it arguably the longest-running story ever told by one human being, Charles Schultz. Now, reruns of the comic strip featuring Charlie Brown and Snoopy and the whole gang continue in papers all around the world, including the Richmond Times-Dispatch. These characters are part of our culture. Charles Schultz has helped us think about life and laugh and examine who we are. In a particular strip, Schroeder is leaning over his piano, and he's... Playing away. Lucy, as is often the case, is propped up against the piano listening. She's long had, by the way, a massive crush on Schroeder. Looking at him, Lucy asks Schroeder, Do you know what love is? Schroeder is never one to show much emotion except through the keys of his piano. He stops playing. He lifts his head and he responds in dictionary style, love, noun, fondness, strong affection for or attachment or devotion to persons or a person. And then he starts playing again as soon as he's finished. Lucy leans closer, trying to get into Schroeder's face, bending down, trying to get his attention. Schroeder just keeps playing the piano. In the last frame, Lucy turns away with a dejected look and says, On paper, he's great. (laughs) On paper, he's great. Our calling as God's people at Second Presbyterian Church, our calling as God's people with our individual lives is to be people who love. Love sincerely. Love God and serve God's loving purposes with our lives. With our lives individually, with our lives together as we go from this place onto these streets into this community, and as far as we can go. Our calling is to know Christ and make Christ known and share Christ's love with the world. And the real challenge for us, and it's always been this way for God's people, love is meant to be made real. Not just good on purpose, paper, not just good in a mission statement on the front of the bulletin, not just good as a goal for our lives as Christians. Our real challenge is that we live out God's love and light fully from the depth of who we are and as far as we can go. You've heard our first lesson already today, read so well by Barbara. The words come from the great leader of God named Moses Moses is attempting to shape God's people in faithfulness. The words from Deuteronomy 6 are also known as the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word for hear, hear, get it in your ears, hear it. Hear this, O Israel, hear this so you can live with love and light as God's people in the world. Hear this so that you and your children and your children's children will be shaped in a certain way. Hear this so you will fear the Lord, it says. And fear, in this sense, does not not mean to be afraid of the Lord. It's more like to live in faithful reverence, live with respect for God and God's purposes, live with devotion, live with commitment, Live with love. Hear this, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Recite this, bind these words around your hands, put them on your foreheads, write them on your door, do all of this so you know who you are and you'll remember what you're called to be about. God's people in the world. It's about getting it off the paper, And getting these truths into every aspect of our lives. Love lived out. Loving God and loving God's purposes in the world, which is absolutely our goal and our intentions in faithfulness. It's the way of discipleship. It's the way our lives are meant to look and be. Love. Centuries after Moses, Jesus comes on the scene still trying to shape a faithful people in the ways of love, in the ways of living with God's loving purposes in the world. Jesus repeats the same words of Moses from almost verbatim from Deuteronomy 6. He repeats them in all the Gospels and today it comes to us in Mark 12. People ask Jesus what's the greatest commandment and he recites it, the Shema. Hear this, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And Jesus adds a second commandment to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then, as Mark 12 unfolds, Jesus keeps teaching. And here's our second lesson. As he taught, Jesus said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the Marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogue and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. And then he called his disciples and he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. It's always been a constant challenge for God's people to get it right. Always a constant challenge to get it right, namely to live with love in the world, with faithful reverence, to live with sincere commitment. God keeps calling forth our best efforts, who we are, how we live, what we do with our lives, not just on paper, but from the depths of our beings. For God, for God's love, for God's purposes in the world. On paper, The scribes had it all together. On paper, the scribes were the ones who knew God and knew God's plans. On paper, they were the ones who studied it and sought to live it out with their lives. Jesus, seeking to make a point and make it even more clearly as we seek to shape our lives, and he seeks to shape our lives, offers a warning. Beware of those who seem to be faithful. It's always about real life. Finally, it's about love made real in the world. This reminds me of a proverb I heard this week. If somebody tells you once that they are a Christian, believe them. If they tell it to you a second time, listen. If they tell you they are a Christian a third time, you better go home and guard the chicken coop and everything else you have. We're so good at what we say. We're so good at, on paper, we're often great even, but it's how we live. It's what we do with our lives. And on paper, on paper, actually, the poor widow would seem to be the most lacking. She's the one with the least. Compared to others coming into the treasury, she has nothing. On paper... Nothing. She puts in two copper coins worth one penny. And Jesus lifts her up with the highest commendation. She has put in everything, he says. It is less about what is given and more about the why and the from where it is given. She gave from her heart. She gave it all. She gave her life. She embodied it. Like Jesus often does in the Gospels, there's a warning And then there's a vivid and powerful teaching, and both of those are here. Jesus is seeking to form a people, shape our lives in the way of loving and living and serving. Jesus wants to frame our lives in the way that brings life, in a way that promotes the kingdom. We're called to give. We're called to love. We're called to serve God's loving purposes. That's our calling. I hope you know who Gus Davis is. Gus Davis usually sits right over there, right behind where Jeff Wells is near today, right in front of where Ken Powell is sitting today. That's where Gus usually sits. He's been in the hospital this week, so he's not here today. Actually, Gus has come to church twice in the last five months and left this place in an ambulance. So he came two weeks ago and slipped in our parking deck and broke his hip and was carried away in an ambulance. He is recovering at Imperial Plaza and we keep him in our prayers. But here's the thing about Gus. He loves this church. He comes to this church every single week, barely making it in the door. And he comes in large part so that he can participate in our Sunday morning offering. On the last day he was here, two weeks ago, and as he was about to be carried away in an ambulance, he reached into his suit coat pocket and pulled out his envelope, and he said, make sure this gets into the offering plate. Love, devotion, commitment, amazing, thoughtful, care from Gus's heart... And too important to be forgotten even if he's in an ambulance. Someone once said to the crusty Tertullian in the first century, I would be a Christian, but there are limits. A man has to live, right? And Tertullian said to the man, Really? Do you? I suspect many of us are struggling. Many of us may be perishing with many pursuits. We have pressure at work. We have pressure with our families. We have heartaches and worries that can feel overwhelming and consume us. Most of us perhaps lack the imagination of what life might look like in God's terms. From God's perspective. We can't seem to conceive of any life that's different from the one we are living. We have to live. Right? And Jesus comes along. And Jesus keeps coming along. And Jesus keeps teaching and offering these warnings and in more teachings. And Jesus keeps challenging us. And Jesus keeps helping us imagine our lives different from the ones we're actually living. He keeps saying, life is about serving others, not the self. Life is about giving, not getting. He keeps saying, life is about loving, extending ourselves with generosity and deep commitment from the depths of our being, like the poor woman with only two coins. And when we live like this, like the way Jesus is instructing, when we give like that, then we become the kind of people that God made us to be, calls us to be. We're invited. We're invited to keep imagining our lives different from what they are, increasingly gracious, always loving, full of boundless kindness, full of extreme energy and devotion and commitment and care that brings joy to God, that helps God bring about the kingdom of heaven right here in Richmond. And as far as we can go, we're to keep imagining our lives full of faith and full of love, loving God and living as God's loving servants. This week I received in the mail... um, My uh, alumni magazine from Yale Divinity School, I've been receiving this journal for about 27 years since I graduated from that fine place, and this recent journal really got my attention. It was full of thoughtful articles about the church today and the church tomorrow, I'm trusting that you have either read or heard about the worrisome statistics about the loss of members in our Christian churches across the land. Our own denomination presbyterians have seen a tremendous decline across the last 40 years. Our and just in the last few years in our presbytery we've not just lost members, we've lost congregations. Four congregations so far, congregations who feel called to join more conservative denominations because they feel out of sync with the faith and the practices of the PCUSA. This is all worrisome. This is all sad. Rather than focus on the church's decline, the recent Yale Divinity Journal focuses on thriving churches, those that are flourishing in the face of decline. So, their articles and their interviews and their essays that generate excitement and generate faith and generate gratitude for God's amazing ways. Here are some common threads. Thriving and flourishing churches have dynamic worship that is central to congregational life. Worship is well planned and powerfully transcendent and transformational. Music and singing is of the highest level. Sermons and liturgy are thoughtful and informative and inspiring. People experience vitality and hope in worship that centers life and helps people thrive in life. Flourishing churches are devoted to building community and nurturing relationships. There exists a genuine sense of welcome. A place to belong and find fellowship and support and care for the craziness of life that touches all of our lives. There remains a sincere openness to ideas and people. The church doesn't thrive on conflict or cliques, but on care and community. And authenticity, authenticity that connects people to people and people to God and people to God's faithful story in Scripture, that is critical. Thriving and flourishing congregations also have a sincere sense of mission and service beyond the congregation. They're not just a place of worship and fellowship, but a place of mission and justice mission and justice that want to transform the lives of others, the neighborhood, the world. It means providing meals to the hungry. It also means working on systemic issues that leave people hungry. It means reaching out to the desperate, but also seeking ways to make the world better. As I read these articles and essays, I feel so encouraged and grateful to be connected to a thriving congregation, this one, Second Presbyterian Church in downtown Richmond, by God's grace. And though we can do many things better and we have many challenges to overcome, we could have been written up in this journal, I think. We continue to grow in membership and we continue to grow in discipleship. We work hard on dynamic worship in this place. We strive to create community and care for one another as we deal with the hardships and challenges that come our way. We extend ourselves in this city for justice and for light. And we have much work to do toward God's promised reign. And we work hard to embody God's real love authentically, not just on paper, but from the center, the depth of who we are, And we're grateful for all that God might be doing in our midst. Thanks be to God. In just a few moments, we celebrate our common life by bringing forward our gifts and our commitments, our pledges and our time and talent sheets, our offerings for this day. We bring them to the Lord's table. It's Dedication Sunday, as you've heard. To participate in this day, in this way, coming forward, all mark our desire to connect with the widow in this story. To give from the essence of who we are to all that God might do in and through and with us in this place for God's work in the world. We have an urgent calling. We have an important challenge, many of them, to be God's people in this community, in this city in these days of the challenging world. So as we walk forward today, we listen for Jesus' words. As he said with the widow in Galilee, this person is truly giving from the depth of his or her being. When we give ourselves, when we give ourselves, the kingdom of heaven emerges within us and through us bringing light and hope and peace and joy and purpose to our lives and to others' lives and to the city and to the world. May it be so today. And may God be glorified as we recommit and recommit and recommit to God's important work, following Christ our Lord. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, make us instruments of your peace. Make us, shape us in the way of life toward discipleship, toward your coming reign in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.